Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Welcome aboard Tennis Talk Canada. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina, Director of Tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. As we launch into another episode of Tennis Talk Canada, TTC to you and me. Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit their Markham Superstore for expert advice and serve a drop shot in your retirement. Let the team at owlmortgage.ca show you how to ace your retirement with expert advice and a copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. For your free copy, call owlmortgage.ca at 416 633 L-E-N-D, that's 416-633-5363. Ken, welcome. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, thanks, Jim. It's a beautiful day outside for some out, outdoor tennis. I was playing a little bit myself first thing this morning, so uh, in a happy spirit because I actually hit the ball well for a change. <laughs> I was going to say, if you didn't say for a change, I was going to pounce on that one. We've got some great conversation coming up in our next segment. Carl Hale, he's the uh, National Bank Open Tourney Director. All kinds of stuff to get in there as, as that's a week away. Rob Steckley will stop by in segment number three, former Davis Cup player, tour coach, and taking some time off. So I'm fascinated by both those conversations. A lot of information, certainly from Carl, uh, moving ahead. But as we speak, uh, minutes ago, Belinda Benchik wins the gold medal. What, what was your take on that? Wow, pretty amazing Olympics. And, you know, there's been some chatter about whether or not the ATP and the WTA players should even be allowed to play in the Olympics. You know, the same with hockey that we hear about in the, in the, at the Winter Olympics. But I think it's great for the sport. It's great for the fans. And really, what a tournament by Belinda Benchik. There's not too many people that would have picked her to win the gold medal. Um, you know, certainly winning a gold medal in singles before the great Roger Federer ever did it um, by a score of 7-5-2-6-6-3. She played a heck of a tournament, didn't seem to be phased by the heat that was really affecting so many players uh, throughout the uh, event. Uh, I, I'm impressed with her calm attitude and didn't seem to let the pressure get to her. A lot of the great WTA stars on the women's side and the ATP stars on the men's side seemed to allow the pressure of the moment playing for their country as well as all that kind of surrounds the Olympics to kind of get them off track. But for Belinda, she certainly kept her focus, played great throughout. Um, and heck, she's a gold medalist for Switzerland. So congratulations to her. But, um, you know, we saw a lot of players drop out early. Ash Barty went out early. Uh, Naomi Osaka went out early. Um, but Belinda had what it took to uh, capture the gold, so I'm impressed by that for sure. Yeah, and uh, not an overwhelming celebration. You could tell that uh, that was the end for her. I mean, she was she was happy, but pretty well just collapsed on the court and, and was and was ecstatic. But but not a lot of energy left is what I'm saying. And, and you know, I, I just you know when you see that and, and you understand what everybody goes through over the course of you know certainly the slams and and how high profile and how high tension these events can be to to add another one into the mix in a sort of a pandemic altered season. Not as much as last year, but still. It's it's a it's a condensed season. That's a lot to ask out of anybody. So I applaud anybody who can survive and, and win at that level. You're right, Jim. And you know, last week I believe I said that you know the Olympics for for most players. I may have even said for all players isn't as big a deal as it as it is for them winning a Grand Slam. But certainly you could see by by Benchik's reaction that it was it's for her. It's a huge deal winning for her country. And maybe my, my um, statement last week was incorrect in that 
you know, maybe some of these players are losing because the pressure of playing for their country is too much. I mean, we saw with Ash Barty going out early and Naomi Osaka going out early that, that maybe that pressure of playing for your country and, you know, being around the other sports and, and seeing how the other athletes are are so in tune for, for what it means to play for their country. As tennis players, we don't typically do it. The Billie Jean King Cup, we play for our country. And in Davis Cup, we play for our country. But those are more of a team kind of environment, a, a team format. So it makes it maybe a little bit easier for them. But yes, it certainly meant a great deal to Belinda Benchik. And uh, I, I'm, I've met her before, super great young lady. Her team is great. Uh, I've met her father before. So certainly happy to see that she was um, the winner and, and that it did absolutely mean so much to her to win that gold medal for Switzerland. Well, look, look some of what you were saying, with all due respect, may have summed up how people would feel that, that don't win. And, and I don't mean that as a negative. It's just, it's, it, I mean, this is a one-off event. The, the slams have their tradition. Uh, the setting is the same, although the surface and, and, and how the, uh, the environment is when you play may be different from year to year. But this is a complete one-off. And I think just to add that into what everybody's been through for the last year and a half, to win that is just something to be, not that you wouldn't be normally, but it, it just adds an extra level of pride to it, doesn't it? You know, absolutely. And I think for a lot of these players, these these tennis players specifically, they're, they've kind of gotten used to playing with no fans or limited fans. But I think the extra dynamic of living in with the other athletes, watching other athletes perform in their, in their activities, in their sport, in their discipline, um, I think that is a little bit tricky for tennis players because typically when they're traveling on tour, they stick just with their team. They weren't allowed to take players, uh, much of a team with them to the Olympics. If anybody, the odd person was allowed to bring w one person along. Um, so I think that adds another dynamic and, and it, it kind of gets some of our, the players from the, from the two tours, the WTA and the ATP out of sorts. But, uh, you know, she was certainly able to rise to the occasion and it's a moment that I'm sure she's never going to forget and a great moment for Switzerland. I'm sure they didn't expect that with, uh, with a gold medal coming home in the women's singles, that's for sure. And the ultimate contrast is is that uh, you know with um, the uh, Benchik calm, cool, and collected performance, then you've got Djokovic who just really had a rough time. Absolutely, and you know you've heard on this show that in the last kind of four to five weeks, I've started kind of changing my tune about Novak Djokovic, and you know really leaning more towards. He, he just might be the greatest of all time for men's tennis. And unfortunately, I feel that that pressure got to him. Um, number one, he doesn't like playing in the heat. And the heat, uh, a dry heat in Tokyo has been unbelievable. It's been uh, really beyond uh, comfortable for the players. They've had ice packs and they've had the, uh, the cool air blowers and things like that. But I think the pressure of the moment really got to Novak and, and him recognizing that he had to an opportunity to do something very special that hasn't been done, only been done once by Steffi Graf in 1988. And I think, I think it got to him. And I think we saw it in how he played. We saw it in certainly in how he behaved. And um, it's quite alarming to see, but we've seen it happen to many players over the years that the pressure, they hold it in, they hold it in, they hold it in. And then eventually it just becomes too much. There was an interesting quote from Novak just before the Olympics started that he said, I'm not interested in who the greatest of all time is. I'm just interested in doing whatever I can do to be great. Something along those lines. And, 
And I kind of took it, I, I kind of thought to myself, he's trying to downplay it because he's feeling so much pressure. And uh, I, I think that's what's happened. And, and it, it kind of exploded over the last uh, 48 hours for him uh, with his Olympic uh, uh, defeats, let's call them, I guess, is the best way to say it. Um, yeah. I, I feel sorry for him because he kind of melted down in front of everybody, really. Well, and that's what happens when, when things don't work out. I mean, you can try. The effort is there, but the, the results aren't. And that can be very frustrating, especially for a highly tuned athletic performer. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, in his match against Zverev, uh, he was up 6-1, 3-2, uh, up a break serving, and he ended up losing uh, 10 of the next 11 games. Yes, Zverev started playing better. Yes, Zverev started serving better. But that just doesn't happen to Novak Djokovic, really arguably the greatest returner in the game, the greatest defender in the game. Um, we're just not accustomed to seeing him lose like that, 10 of 11 games and, and, and in that fashion. And, you know, even Zverev, when they, when they shook hands and, and, uh, and hugged at the conclusion of the match, said, uh, you're a great player and I'm sorry for this. You know, he was almost apologetic in beating him for the way that it kind of happened. And, you know, that tells you a lot about Zverev, but it also tells you a lot about what the players on tour and how they respect Novak Djokovic and what he's done for the game. Um, and then the challenge, of course, for Novak was that, you know, in the heat, he had to play again soon after that, playing in the bronze medal match against Karina Busta. And, um, you know, he was fortunate in that match. He lost 6-4, 6-7, 6-3, but he was fortunate in that match to save a match point in the second set and several match points in the third set. But it wasn't enough. Um, you know, he, he broke a racket, he threw a racket into the stands, and he kind of got a gift in that match. Unfortunately, when he threw a, a racket into the stands about five or six rows deep, the umpire didn't even give him a warning. Um, he should have given him a warning for that, and then when he smashed his racket, it should have been a point penalty. So, um, you know, sometimes they talk about the, the best player is getting, you know, kind of star preferential treatment, and Novak got that, but it wasn't enough to turn the match around. So, uh, tough to see arguably one of, if not the greatest male tennis player of all time, kind of meltdown right before your eyes, two matches in a row uh, on really one of the biggest stages in the world, the Olympics. So we're going to talk a lot about the National Bank Open this morning because it's about a week away. Uh, Carl Hill will be with us in the next segment. Just as a way to, to set up that conversation, Ken, um, you know, I, I sort of look at the National Bank Open this year as because of the Olympics, because of the compressed uh, pandemic altered life that the, the, the tour players have led. It's obviously better than it was last year. But this is a, this is a reset, really. This tournament, for me, is a reset. It reestablishes uh, North American tennis. And, of course, what follows is, is the U.S. Open. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to lose a few players, um, you know, coming out of the Olympics. They're going to be a little too tired or they're going to be a little too drained. Um, we're going to lose a few players that maybe do well down in Washington and some of the hard court swing down in the USA. Um, but I think that the great, uh, you know, the majority of the top players, especially uh, here in Toronto, will be in Toronto. Um, and don't forget, this is a great opportunity, you know. We missed the opportunity last year to watch Dennis and Felix and Vashik and Milos and all the great young Canadian talent play on home soil, whether it was going to be in Montreal or Toronto last year. We're going to have that opportunity to see these great young players compete um, at York University at the National Bank Open. And, and that's, a, that's an unbelievable thrill for, for many of us that have only been able to watch them on TV and watch them kind of globe trotting around the globe through the pandemic. Um, with no fans, 
luckily now in Toronto, the fans are going to be there. And yes, it, I agree, Jim, it is a bit of a reset. But um, we know uh, that Raf is coming. We know Medvedev is coming. He's currently number two in the world. Carlo let us know some other players that are going to be here. But it's, it's, it is still going to be a great event. However, it will be different. Uh, the seating will be different. There won't be as many fans. But live ATP tennis in Toronto with fans, uh, still it's, uh, it's going to be unbelievable to be able to sit in there and watch that for sure. So we'll have Carl Hill on next. He's the National Bank Open Tourney Director. If you're over 55, you can access the wealth that is built up in your home with a reverse mortgage. Let OwlMortgage.ca show you how with a free copy of Home Run, the Reverse Mortgage Advantage. Call Owl Mortgage today and get that free copy at 416-633-LEND. 416-633-5363. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. It's important to get your financial planning in order, and I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group provides a written plan specifically tailored for you, reflecting your goals and aspirations. It's reviewed regularly and adjusted or updated when needed. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. You can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at Fox Group PW. M. Uh, so we're waiting for Carl Hill to join us. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, you know, this is um, just a, a really logistical nightmare because everything is sort of, you, you, know, you have five different scenarios, Ken, and then you're, you're told to go. And obviously you have the Jays template where what you can do with it with a live um, audience. And, and then you have to, uh, you know, sell tickets, get players to commit. It's it's massive, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was I was watching uh, telecast prior to the Jays game and I was watching them uh, you know just in putting the shirts on the chairs and I was watching I was like are they gonna have people sitting that close together and are they gonna have people sitting you know that many people in the stadium and I believe what they're allowed to do up at the National Bank Open is have about 50% of normal capacity uh, which I believe will be about 5,000 people I believe that uh, stadium court holds 10,000 people if they don't put on the upper stands, if they put on the upper stands, then I believe it jumps up to about 14,000 people. My numbers might be slightly off, but that's about what it, what it takes. So I believe they're going to have about 5,000 people. Uh, in my discussions this week, um, as some of our listeners may not know, I'm involved heavily with the tournament as I'm the um, announcer on site there. So I've had many discussions with Tennis Canada this week. And what it looks like is they're going to have tickets in groups of four and groups of two. And every uh, ticket grouping will have access to an aisle. So you won't have to be climbing over people to get in and out of your seats. Um, you might have to be moving past your group that you're with, your friends that you're with. But you won't be kind of climbing by uh, past any strangers and things like that. Um, they're going to have food service right to the seats, which will be nice for fans. But I think the biggest thing, and you touched on it, Jim, was the players. I think the the most challenging part for Tennis Canada has been you know, trying to keep the players on the hook of saying, yes, we're going to have this tournament while we're pretty sure we're going to have it and not knowing for sure if they were going to have it. So that's always been a little bit of a challenge. 
Yeah, I mean, you could see that uh, you'd ha- have to have, you know, a, a lot of options and be fast in your feet. And I was just, uh, you know, uh, when you uh, when I talked to you earlier this week, I think after uh, the text uh, chain ran out, I got an email from 407 saying, you know, here's how you can buy tickets. Uh, and, and so, you know, that uh, you, you, then you realize, okay, so now the event's on. Now we have to get people in the stands and, and let them know that they can actually come. So it, there's a long chain of events there. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the hardest things about a tennis event is you never know when people are going to play, when matches are going to be played. And a lot of our fans don't always understand that. And they are kind of like, well, who's going to play on Thursday afternoon? I want to buy tickets to Thursday afternoon. Well, the tournament organizers don't even know who's still going to be winning by Thursday afternoon. They can typically tell who's going to play on Monday and Monday night and Tuesday and Tuesday night and sometimes as far into the tournament as Wednesday because your top seeds will have a bye. I'm hearing rumors that Dennis will be playing on the Wednesday night, so a great night to be able to grab tickets, get down there and watch the the great lefty Canadian play on on stadium court. Um, But we'll have to kind of wait and see uh, kind of what happens um, along through the scheduling. But I'm hearing from Carl this week, and I'm hearing from Tennis Canada this week, that the majority of the top players, unless they're injured, are keen and ready to play and, and land in Toronto. They're already uh, organizing the hotel. They're talking about their teams. They've asked about COVID protocols, all those types of things that make us realize that uh, this, in fact, tournament will happen this year with fans in the stands. So that's great news for Toronto for sure. So we haven't pumped the, you know, your role at the National Bank Open. What does that mean to you? I mean, how, do you, what, do you what do you get into and, and, and how do you feel when you do it? It's actually probably my favorite week of the year. Um, it's a lot of fun. You can, I get to go down on center court and uh, introduce the players. I do some interviews with the players. I think the most, the most enjoyable thing that I've done at the tournament for the last seven or eight years is I do um, car interviews with the players. So I pick up six different players in a car that's filled with, in the tournament car um, in the past, it's been Mazda, GM, BMW. And the car is filled with cameras, and it's just myself and the player driving from downtown Toronto to the tennis site, and we just talk off the record, and then they turn that into a 60, 90, or two-minute commercial. And that's kind of the fun part, because the players let their guards down. They know that I'm not really a reporter to speak of. I'm, I'm a tennis guy. We chat about life on tour. We tell jokes. We sing songs. It's a lot of fun. That's kind of my f- most favorite part. The most nerve-wracking part is Final Sunday, standing in front of the cameras and presenting the checks and presenting you know, the winners and, and introducing um, the National Bank executives to give away the big money. That's kind of a nerve-wracking part, but still fun to see how the players are after they capture the championship. Let's bring in Rob Steckley, former Davis Cup player, uh, tour coach, and, and now taking some time off. Rob, welcome. How are you today, sir? Hey, I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to say, Ken, I'm still waiting for that check. <laughs> I thought you were going to take a shot at one of his jokes. <laughs> no, 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 I love his jokes. I love it. <laughs> well, tell us what you're up to. Joke on me with no joke. Uh, well, right now I'm actually currently out on court, and uh, I'm enjoying a little tennis before the rain comes. But uh, yeah, just some family time. COVID uh, kind of threw us for a you know a curveball here. So I uh, I was traveling currently, you know, with uh, Pavlichenkova, and uh, and I just had to make a decision just before preseason because uh, you know things were going on at home and and. Uh, I just couldn't commit to the relentless traveling uh, and, and lack of ability to be able to come home. So uh, I decided to stay put at home for now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm helping some of the uh, Canadian juniors right now and, uh, 
keep myself busy, uh, amongst other things, you know. So, uh, Mr. Steckley, I know you're teaching with a, uh, coaching a young girl by name of uh, Kayla Cross, I believe. Can you tell yeah. our listeners a little bit about her journey on the ITF stage and what you feel she can accomplish? I know she played, uh, I believe she played Junior Wimbledon, am I correct? Yeah, 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 that was a big accomplishment. That's uh, her first Grand Slam um, and kind of uh, glimpse into, you know, the near future. But, uh, yeah, she's been uh, training hard. She's been traveling the ITF circuit. And for anybody that doesn't really know, the ITF circuit, it, it's just this constant uphill battle because you got so many uh, different elements and adversities. And, and so right now, especially during COVID, it hasn't been uh, easy, uh, to say the least. But, um, you know, she's been doing a lot of work on and off court, and, and she got the opportunity finally to get back out on the road about three months ago. And um, she started with the bank. She started, uh, you know, proving she's uh, she basically hadn't had any time off. She got a ranking to top 60, and then... Uh, um, you know, she had, uh, French open in, in, in her vision and she just missed that, fell short and then, uh, got ready for Wimbledon. So, uh, she's, she's definitely somebody that, uh, everybody needs to look out for. She's been proving herself time and time again, and she's actually playing right now, um, in Montreal, getting ready to play the, she's playing pre-quality. So she's in the semifinals and, uh, she's a couple matches away from getting in a spot into her first qualifying at rogers cup rob tell us about your time with dennis and, and what you would have worked on what that you know what that experience was like well it was a great opportunity i remember i was actually at wimbledon um and i was currently traveling with uh, uh lucy safarova and they kind of approached me and said you know marty Lorando was uh a little bit injured with his back and they didn't know what was happening and so when i got on board uh it was an interesting transition for him because, you know, he had made such a significant jump um, and he was sitting put, which is totally normal on the tour and, and ranking-wise, you know, and result-wise. And uh, and so, you know, there was certain things I, I took a look at immediately with the serve and, and uh, the ability to gain a little bit of confidence there because I think they made a tweak a year before or something um, and they shortened his swing. So I went back to a full loose swing and then he started getting some confidence and momentum there. And we worked a lot on footwork and moving forward and whatnot. Um, but it was a challenging opportunity because, uh, you know, everybody wants results instantaneously. And he, he, he's still at the developmental stage, believe it or not, you know, um, in his career where, you know, there's just different transitions. So to go from 30 to 20, 20 to 10 um, is a challenge. So you, you, you kind of find yourself inching your way and then a little bit backwards and then uh, put yourself in a position to uh, climb forwards again. So that's kind of where we were going back and forth. And uh, I had a lot of fun. We had some good laughs and uh, spent some quality time out on court. You know, I think you're 100% right there, Rob, because so many people, you know, you see it in the NHL some or the NFL, they make a coaching change, and then people think that it's going to turn around right away. But it, it certainly takes time. And, you know, I think the most important thing you said there, too, about Dennis was it was a developmental stage. And, and listeners might think, what? How can you be developing? But you're yeah. right. In order to change your game, you have to change your game to go from a top 50 to a top 20 to a top 10. You have to, you have to alter it, don't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for him, you know, he, he burst onto the scene and he's got so many qualities. But with so many qualities, and I've worked with players like that, where uh, 
you know, they, they're not entirely sure what they're doing all the time. And so they, they might have incredible weapons and, and, you know, when it's on, it's on. But as easy as it's on, you know, it goes off. And then what do you do from there? So that's kind of the process we went through because once you re- enter the, you know, the top 30, top 20 stage, you're having to prove yourself more consistently on a day, day-to-day basis, whether that's, you know, during the tournament or even in practice, so you don't lose your confidence there. So um, that's the challenge, and that, that's what we kind of went through, is, is just understanding, you know, now slowing him down a little bit, the process of, you know, when the ball comes back, if it's a chip short, what do you do, you know? And, and then along the lines of, trying to develop, you know, certain elements which he didn't have, you know, backhand slice and returns. And so there's so many components that go into it that, uh, you know, for most, you, it's, it's not, like you said, just something that happens overnight and all of a sudden you gain success. So it's just a process. So as long as, you know, for listeners that are looking to get into this sport, it's, it's like, it, you know, you have to be ready to commit to a long journey. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ups, hopefully, but there's most likely downs. And so you got to be ready for those challenges. And so he does a great job. And that's why, you know, we did, we had success. And then he went through a little bit of a spurt where he wasn't. And then he got a new coaching and all the stuff we work on goes transitions into current status now. And so it's just a long process. Yeah, I'm glad you you uh, you talked that way because uh, you know just from from the outside, when somebody has a taste of success, those those positive projections are focused on the player, and and we all sort of march forward. And then if it doesn't happen in in really fast fashion, people get upset. But I mean that, that's the outside yeah. perception. But you're that's describing the, the yeah. yeah, you're describing the reality. I mean, actually, you know, the coach and the player are focused. They understand all this. It's everybody else who doesn't. Yeah, and what's interesting is the fact that. Uh, you know, the outside wants, wants to join force and, and, and wants to be on board. But, you know, everybody's got their own, you know, opinions and, and they kind of project that onto the player nowadays with, you know, social media and everything. Yeah, it's so in your face that it actually is quite a distraction. So it, it's hard to tune those things out as much. Um, and so that's also the challenge for us when we're out on tours. You know, we're doing the right things. We're trying our best. We're, you know, when you look at any player out there, you know, sometimes, they, you know, you'll get some outside uh, voices saying, you know, maybe they need to stop this or maybe they need to, you know, do more of this. And the fact of the matter is they're doing everything. It's actually uh, funny to, to watch from the inside thinking that uh, they're doing too much almost. And then you get those outside voices that uh, are starting to bring them down. So it's trying to, you know, tune everything out and 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 just stay focused as much as possible but I, I can assure you that everybody out there is doing as much as possible and they're only human so you know once in a while if you catch them doing something that maybe you, you think they should be out on court a little more they're they're doing what they need to do it's just a matter of time so rob um i've known you for a long time i think i think the first time you were probably 14 or 15 Always a character on court. Always loved watching you play. You know, back in those days, I was fortunate enough to be uh, kind of the traveling coach or more of a manager for the Ontario team that you were on. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, sir. those were good, good, fun times. I think I spent more time talking to your father about uh, about your your on court uh, behavior because it matched my own so much, and I loved it. I absolutely loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. good chats. What do you think that the the 
players, these young Canadians playing in Toronto means? You, you love a crowd. What do you think it means to Dennis and Felix and Vashik and Milos being able to come back to Toronto, play in the National Bank Open in front of a, a, a smaller crowd, of course, because of the COVID protocols, but a boisterous Canadian crowd? Well, I mean, it always, it's everybody's uh, favorite to play in front of a home crowd. It, it has its adversities, of course, because the added pressure of trying to prove, um, you know, that uh, you can perform in front of a home crowd and you want to. So it's just the challenge uh, of trying to silence some of the pressure there, but uh, ride the wave. So it's, it's everybody's, you know, favorite to come to a home court and uh, you get the crowd behind you and there's nothing like playing a match at night in front of a screaming crowd, and uh, I think everybody gets excited about that, uh, especially even for myself when I'm coaching, if we go back home, it's uh, so nice to just have, you know, home court advantage and, and that type of stuff, but I do know that, as you would know, it's also added pressure, but uh, that's, I guess, the life of a pro, you know, you got to get used to that. You know, you've had some unbelievable accomplishments, especially, I think, with Lucy Safarova, who is probably your your longest and, and most um, yeah. pleasurable ride, let's say. But, you know, when we watch on TV, first, you know, I did some, some Google searches to see kind of, you know, I watched you coaching her. There's some snippets of, you know, you coming on court and actually coaching her in the match. And we get to see that. The fan gets to see that. But what are some other things as a coach that you get to do or you maybe have to do when you're traveling with a player once the kind of the the cameras are off is there things off court that you're doing as a coach as well with these players outside of just the practicing i mean it's an on day it's an all day thing 24 hours a day it's like uh you know you have to manage and micromanage every part of that day so it runs as smoothly as possible to take any weight or, or, you know, unnecessary focus that the player has to do uh, on your shoulders. And, and I think that um, is a great touring coach. And that's what the job is all about. You know, the time you get up, everything's kind of pre-booked and you have three different solutions for what's to come. And, you know, a rain's a big part of that. That's an example I can give is, you know, you, you kind of have to see into the future. And if, you know, you're in New York and you're getting ready, you know that there's no court and the practice courts get booked up. So what do you do? so you don't stay stale, and the player is overthinking typically during an event. So it's a lot of that stuff, you know, making sure rackets are strong, and you just always have answers to problems that are coming. It's all problem-solving. Rob, uh, Ken tells me you've done some great tennis videos, so tell us your, your approach and how important is it? You know, tennis videos started just for fun. It was something that kept me, uh, I guess, a little more entertained out on the road because we have a lot of downtime and, and there, it's a stressful environment, you know, let's be honest. So I just used it as an outlet to, you know, pass some time, have a little fun. And then what started to happen is um, I noticed that the players started to get engaged. And that's, that's not to say that, um, you know, I, I, I had said, you know, we need to do videos, but they started getting interested. And then all of a sudden it was something that we could do together as a team, you know, and, and take some of the, the focus uh, out of the pressure there. And, and uh, you know, we, we just, uh, we had a lot of fun with it. Let's put it that way. And uh, I'm glad that uh, other people took to it and, and got a little insight sometimes as to, you know, the fun side of tennis because not everybody gets to see, you know, downtime and whatnot. So it was, uh, it was fun. Well, speaking of fun, where do you have the Spider-Man tennis outfit still? 
<laughs> I can't believe that's still a thing. I, I actually do believe it or not. It's somewhere tucked away in the basement. And uh, I was waiting for Ken to come back and we can get on court maybe this summer. <laughs> Ken, if you're going to feed some balls, I'd gladly bring that shirt out. Yeah, I, I think one of my best memories of the National Bank Open is you playing it. It, it might have been the last round of qualifying you had on the Spider-Man uh, shirt and you were hitting winners and you were doing the, the thing with the wrist where you're f pretending you're flicking the spider webs into the crowd. And I tell I you, I tell you, Rob Steckley, <laughs> that is one of my best. I, you think, I, I've had Novak Djokovic hug me on court. Uh, Rafael Nadal hugged me on court. Sanga jumping on my feet on court. I've had lots of stuff happen to me. But Rob Steckley in the Spider-Man shirt flinging spider webs into the crowd, that might be the highlight of my, of my days at the National Bank Open. Oh, my God. Those are, yeah, those are good memories. I, could, hey, I, I, I actually went to go play a couple challengers after that, and I couldn't believe it. It trickled down into Ecuador and everything because me Spider-Man for at least a year. So I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but I definitely <laughs> appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed our time when I got to spend that on court with you. <laughs> Rob, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, no worries. Thanks Rob Steckley. Yeah, you know, you guys should probably, you know, get somebody in the crowd that when he does that Spider-Man thing that they're wiping, the, you know, the web off their face or something just to, <laughs> to, to sell it a little more. <laughs> Crazy stuff. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada was sponsored by the Vox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. It's important to get your financial planning in order, and I feel very comfortable and confident recommending Mr. Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group provides a written plan specifically tailored for you, reflecting your goals and aspirations. It's reviewed regularly and adjusted or updated when needed. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. You can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at foxgrouppwm. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, and also available on tsn1050.ca, the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Well, this segment is brought to you by Scoglet Homes. Considering selling your home in the GTA, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglet and maximize your sale price with the Scoglet Homes comprehensive listing plan featuring luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019. Speak to Eric directly or check out scoglethomes.com to make the right decision around your largest investment. Uh, by the way, Carl Hale sends his regrets. I mean, you can understand a busy time at the National Bank Open getting set for tournament play, which will start uh, next weekend. In the meantime, uh, let's chat about um, the Olympics, the Canadian side of the Olympics, Ken. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. No, actually quite disappointing, to be honest. I thought we were heading to the Olympics in pretty darn good shape. Um, unfortunately, at the last minute, Vashik had to pull out because he was uh, still nursing an injury. Uh, he wasn't ready to go. Um, but, and Felix, we discussed last week, I think I even threw a score out that Felix was going to beat Andy Murray by a score of 7-6-6-4. Well, little did I know that I was 100% correct. The score was 7-6-6-4, but unfortunately, Andy Murray pulled out, uh, wasn't 100% to go for singles, and uh, they threw Max Purcell in as a, they call it in tennis, a lucky loser, somebody that gets into the draw very late like that. And uh, he hadn't had a lot of success on tour. He'd only won four matches on the ATP tour prior to, prior to playing against Felix. 
but he took Felix down by that exact score that I predicted Felix was going to beat Andy Murray by, 7-6-6-4. Some old things continued to haunt Felix in the match. In the tiebreaker, he made two unforced errors on his backhand on key points, lost the tiebreaker, and again, too many double faults. It seems for Felix that he, he gets a little hitchy with his serve. The service toss and the service motion will tend to break down sometimes under pressure. Uh, sometimes he seems to be able to control it. In that match, he, he wasn't. And, you know, in fairness to Felix, you know, you, you spend two, three, four days gearing up to play Andy Murray, a two-time gold medal uh, Olympic champion. You, 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 you plan your practices about the types of shots you're going to hit the way you're going to play, how aggressive you're going to be on attacking the net. And then almost in, the, let's call it the 11th hour, he drops out and they bring in this guy that you don't know very much about. It's a bit of a mental letdown for Felix. You know, you're kind of so pumped and so ready to play a great champion like Andy Murray, and then you're not playing him. So, you know, I don't want to beat up on Felix too much, but it's a match that he really should win. But again, we talked earlier in the show, Jim, about the Olympics and the pressures, the pressures of playing for your country. Um, it was a bit disappointing. And then on the women's side, Leila Annie Fernandez uh, won her first match, which was great, won a, won a good match against Yastremska. But then she played against Krejcikova. And, you know, I misspoke last week saying that she had won Wimbledon, and uh, a bunch of my friends gave it to me this week. It was the French Open that she had won, and she just proved to be too much, winning the match by a score of 6-2, 6-4. Just too savvy, too aggressive, too many options in her game. And Layla will get there. Um, but she's, you know, she's a young player, uh, not a heck of a lot of experience playing on the main stage against such, you know, savvy veterans, we'll, we'll say. And, uh, you know, you, you hear the expression an awful lot in sport. It's a learning experience. And it's certainly a learning experience for Leila Annie Fernandez. She doesn't want too many more of them, obviously. You know, it's not fun being on the losing end. But when you're playing somebody that's just won the French Open, you lose 6-2, 6-4 at your first Olympics not really a terrible result for her. So, um, you know, we would have liked to have seen the Canadians do a little bit better. Certainly, if you had to pick one of the two that was going to go a little deeper, I would have said that it was Felix. Uh, he was seated ninth uh, at the Olympics, but it wasn't meant to be. So, unfortunately, uh, no medals for the Canadians. We still had a bit of a hope, if I can mention the mixed doubles. You know, I want to give uh, the mixed doubles a little bit of a, a shot as well. Felix played with uh, Gabby Dabrowski, longtime Canadian a uh, doubles player, a phenomenal doubles player, knows the court well. Um, you know, unfortunately, they had a tough draw. They played Tsitsipas and Sakari uh, from Greece. Uh, real tough matchup for them. They went down 6-4, 6-3. Uh, not a match we expected them to win, but a match that we expected maybe that they had a chance to win. So 6-4, 6-3, not a terrible showing. But again, I'd like to see that they maybe would have been able to stretch that to a third set, especially with Gabby. She's such a smart doubles player, but... Wasn't meant to be. Sitsi Pass and Sakari just too much for the young Canadian duo. Well, look, I don't expect for the rest of our run that you're going to make another mistake, another error. But, but if in fact it does happen, because we're only human, the response would be that was a listener test. I wanted to see first of all how many people are <laughs> listening, and if you were listening specifically and you have passed the test. Good day, sir. <laughs> well, you know, I always take it when somebody gives me a reminder like that. I'm just happy to, that they were listening. You know, when we talked yeah. earlier about the National Bank Open, one of the big things that happens to me at the National Bank Open is you see players' names that you're not used to seeing before. You know, oh, they yeah. haven't played on the main stage, and I have to pronounce them, and it's like, 
I'm sure I butchered that name. And one of my secrets to success, we'll call it, when I'm doing the, the, the tournament like that is if I really struggle with the name and they win, I'm hoping that they don't win the match so I don't have to say the name again. And just as I go to say the name, if I'm, if I'm really breaking down and I'm really nervous about butchering their name, I'll just say, please, crowd, let's hear it for our match winner. So if you ever hear me say that, you know that I had no clue how to pronounce their last name. I'm just taking the easy <laughs> well, you know, way out. Ken, Ken, you're not supposed to reveal your little tricks. I mean, that's not, <laughs> I've got some work to do here, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I guess what we'll break now and come back and and, uh, and set the stage for, for the National Bank Open and what other Canadians did this week. So looking to purchase a home in this busy GTA market, do not get overwhelmed. Let Eric at Scoglet Homes guide you through the process. Eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services, including virtual showings, access to exclusive listings from the top brokerages in the city, and a complimentary design consult once you have found your home. Buyer's representation is very important in a hot market, so call Eric directly at 647-300-7019 or check out scoglinhomes.com to get started. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. TSN 1050's coverage of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics continues tonight with women's basketball. Canada, Spain, tip off at 9 p.m. on TSN 1050, official affiliate radio broadcaster. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Final segment, here we go. If you're 55 and retirement planning is on your horizon, you should read Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. It gives you the advice you need to make sound decisions about your future. Call Owl Mortgage to get your free copy today at 416-633-5363. So, Kenny, what's going on with the Canadians not at the Olympics? Oh, it's a great question, actually. You know, week in, week out, we still have Canadians doing great things at different levels on the ATP and WTA Tour down to the challenger level. Rebecca Marino uh, was playing in uh, Charleston. Tough draw in the singles. She lost in the round of 16 to the second seed. But she'll be playing in the ladies' doubles finals today in Charleston. So a great result for Rebecca. Uh, those of you that are familiar with her big serve game with the big forehand, uh, she's almost made for uh, great success on the doubles court. And we had Braden Schnur. Uh, Peter Polonsky, and Liam Draxel, who we've talked about on this show, playing in the Lexington Challenger. So Liam Draxel got a, a wild card into the event because uh, Lexington is his hometown for his NCAA schooling. And um, he came up with a tough draw. He played the number one seed first round. He lost 6-3, 6-3. But Liam Draxel and his American partner took out Braden Schnur and Peter Polonsky, three of the four players being Canadians, took them out in the uh, doubles, and Liam Draxel will be playing for the Lexington Challenger doubles title. I believe that match is today. Uh, it might be tomorrow, but uh, Liam Draxel, the young C Canadian that was ranked number one uh, for a long time in NCAA D1 this year, trained by his father up in uh, Newmarket. Uh, he's done some great things, and so happy to see the Canadians doing well at uh, different levels on tour. As, as Rob Steckley talked about, there's lots of great action out there. We just don't always get a chance to see it, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, just about a minute to go, so let me get one more reminder in. Did you know that a reverse mortgage can help fund your retirement? Hmm. Owl Mortgage can help home- homeowners over 55 find out how their home can work for them. Call Owl Mortgage for advice. Get a free copy of Home Run, the Reverse Mortgage Advantage. Just call this number, 416-633-LEND. That's 416-633-5363. So 45 seconds, you're on the clock. The National Bank Open, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I can't wait. You know, the, the lineup of men is great. Still on the list to come. Daniel Medvedev, Nadal, Tsitsipas, Zverev, uh, Rublev, Berrettini. Um, Federer, we're hoping, is healthy. Dennis, of course, the Canadians will be there. Karino uh, Busta, the uh, bronze medalist that just beat Novak. So there's going to be some, some great tennis. Yes, it's a little different format. Yes, you can't go to the side courts, but still come on out, support the Canadians, support tennis in Canada. And it's a great place to be for tennis action up at York University. It's the return of the National Bank Open after missing it last year. So it's going to be great action all week long. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed this edition of Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050. Number one in vocabulary. Very nimble. Nimble That's is, the thing. is the perfect word. Yeah. It, it goes underused, man. Yeah, Nimble's yeah, a great term. Overdrive, Toronto's legends of the couch. Weekdays 4 to 7 on TSN 1050. Austin Matthews is nimble, not Al's brother and myself. No, 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 no.